0: Larry, it was mm-hmm. just, just, you know, we need, to, we need to know each other because we're black. That's just how he felt. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, just like, you know, I came across so many well-educated, high-up level brothers, and it was just nothing but love. It was just easy to create a community, create a circle. Also, you know, the head nod is universal. I think mm-hmm. I, I talked about this in my video, but every time I would see a... Uh, Brother on the street, I'll be hanging with my international friends. they would be like, oh, man, that's so cool. I just wish I could do that. I was like, oh, man, don't you ever do that to no brother? <laughs> 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 like, don't you ever, do you ever dodge your hand to another brother, man? They're <laughs> 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 like, I just wish I could do that. because it's, it's It is a universal thing across the whole world. It is, you know, when I was in, even when I was in the UK, it was very common as well. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, so, yeah. Won't you come along with me? Hello, hello! Welcome to Young Gifted and Abroad Perspectives on Studying Abroad from Past and Present Students of Color. My name is Danielle, and I'm so excited to be able to talk to you today because today I have my friend Angelon, or AJ, as the guest. Angelon is an entrepreneur from Detroit. And he actually got to study abroad in undergrad and in grad school. So as an undergraduate student, he spent a year in England uh, taking gen ed credits, working a bit and just overall enjoying his time. And he enjoyed himself so much that when his time in the UK was up, he wasn't ready to come home yet. And so he decided to go backpacking around Europe. So he eventually made his way back to Michigan, but he had had such a phenomenal time both in the UK and with the myriad of adventures he had while backpacking that he was pretty sure that Europe was the place to be for him. And so after he graduated, he decided to move to Spain for a year to teach. He was a volunteer English teacher and also lived with a Spanish host family for a time. And he was really enjoying that too. And he would have stayed for another year, but he got word that he'd been accepted to the University of Sydney Business School. And that is Sydney, Australia. So So he went back to the States again saved up some money and then moved to Australia where he not only got his master's degree, but also stayed for a couple of years working in Sydney until uh, last year when he decided to move back to the States and work for himself. Angelon is very big on entrepreneurship. and So if that's your thing, then I'm sure you will greatly enjoy what he has to say about his process in terms of becoming a full time entrepreneur. And of course, he's also passionate about traveling. He actually uh, has a YouTube channel where he's made a couple videos about his experiences in Australia and elsewhere. And that's actually how I've found him. Uh, Angelon and I have a mutual friend, Christiana or Christy, who was the guest on episode five of this podcast and um one day i saw that christy had shared a video of angelon's on facebook i think it had something to do with being black in australia and of course i was curious so i watched it and then i reached out to christy and i said you know i'm thinking of inviting angelon to be on the podcast do you think that's something he'd be interested in And she was like yeah you should ask him he has stories for days and he's been all over so i I couldn't say it any better myself, Angelon really does have tons of amazing stories to share. He has a lot to say about his experiences and what he wants for himself in life. And I hope that you enjoy hearing it and are able to learn something new from him. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy my interview with my friend, Angelon Wallace. Okay, great. Yeah, I'm, I really appreciate uh, you agreeing to be a guest mm-hmm. on this podcast. I am glad yeah. that you know we kind of had that connection through through Christy. So that's you yeah. know that's kind of how I heard about you in the first place. So yeah, I'm excited to you know get to know about more about you and what uh, your the experiences you've had. So it should be fun.
0: Okay, um, right, that sounds good. Thank yeah. you.
1: So why don't we start with you introducing yourself, if you don't mind.
0: Yeah. So uh name is Angelon. I um I guess in the more I've been traveling since I've you know, uh, from Detroit, Michigan and I went to Eastern Michigan University and from there that's where I, you know, studied abroad and, and I did a lot more things from there. But yeah, I'm from Detroit, I'm thirty, I'm living in uh, Uh, michigan right now i'm working as a full-time entrepreneur so living a remote lifestyle at the Mm -hmm. moment as well
1: okay yeah wow cool all right as you mentioned you're from detroit you started Mm -hmm. you started when you studied because i remember you said in in one of your videos you studied in oxford Mm -hmm. right so was that while you were at eastern is that when that happened
0: yes that's when i was happening i had the chance to go to darby or um Oxford Brooks University, and I decided to, to go to Oxford Brooks University because mm. I don't think it was nothing in Derby at the time. <laughs> so, yeah, it was like, and yeah, I think it was just a lake and the university, but Oxford was like only an hour away from London.
1: Mm. Okay. Yeah. And so, what were you studying there?
0: So, I just did basic gen eds. I think I was at a point in my life where I just felt like I needed to get away. So I decided to go abroad and I took some basic general ed class that needed, you know, that was transferable back with my old university. Um, you know, so it wasn't really a, a, a focus when I went, went abroad to Oxford.
1: Mm, okay, gotcha. And how long were you there?
0: I was there for um, one year.
1: Oh, wow, you were there for a whole year.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Had you been somewhere internationally before you... Went to England?
0: No, no, I have not. What inspired me to leave was a book I read called *The Alchemist* by Paulo Coelho. Mm, yeah. So I read this book, and it just really inspired me to leave. And and when I went abroad, you know, my life it changed dramatically, it changed for forever. Yeah.
1: Hmm. So your first time going uh, out of the country, and you were gone for a whole year. Wow. That's. It was um... only
0: supposed to be a semester, though. Oh, <laughs> did it you not want to come like home? That. No, I think a lot of people usually, you know, when you're leaving the country for the first time, always what happens was very common. Everyone goes for a semester mm-hmm. and then they usually extend it. They always extend it because they just fall in love with it. Yeah. So it was supposed to be a semester it ended up in it a whole year and it changed my life forever in so uh-huh. many ways.
1: Okay. How, yeah. how, how was it life changing for you? Culturally,
0: it was changing a lot. The accents, you know, were very vibrant. I don't know, for the first time as well, especially as an African-American, I was seen in a much more brighter light because when you travel abroad, you're you're somewhat different to the culture. You mm-hmm. know, so people are more in love with my accent, are fascinated with American culture as well. And I mean, just to go into details, I'm probably not, let I me mean, just go a little bit more. But I remember, <laughs> uh, you know, so when I was in Oxford, I think the store was called Tesco's. I remember... <laughs> I remember shopping for the first, because I grew up in in a family where we went grocery shopping on a monthly basis. So that's how I knew how to shop for Mm -hmm. groceries. And I remember one time I went shopping, and I was walking down the street with like forty bags of groceries, Mm -hmm. and people people were staring at me, and people were just, you know, my my good friend, he was like, AJ, man, we shop here weekly, (laughs) and I think, you know, and that's why you know people were staring because I didn't realize. But in Oxford, it was very common for people to get paid monthly. So that really started to teach me a lot about budgeting. Because, you know, in America, as often we get paid weekly and biweekly. So getting paid monthly was really tough for me. You know, I didn't really, I didn't know. It was a shocking to me when I got my first check. I was like, wow, why does it take it so long? Mm-hmm. It was like, you know, this is how we pay out here.
1: Okay. So you were working as
0: well while you were there? Yeah. So when I first got to the UK, I started working at this clothing store called Top Shop Top Man. Mm-hmm. They really just, like I said, they loved Americans, and I had this uh, afro at the time, mm-hmm. so I looked like uh, they thought I looked like well I am. And I don't know if you heard of like the TV show The Voice. Yeah. But he's a that's judge, when, right? like, Yeah, he was a judge, but that's when it was first taken off. Mm-hmm. So this is like almost ten years ago, and you know, so it was really taken off, and I had this fancy haircut, and they thought I was him, and they just gave me the job. They were like, what are you here for? I'm like, I need a job. They're like, you got it. Yeah. started the next day, and uh, yeah, and then I, after that, I left, and I went to another st- clothing store called Zara. So it was mm-hmm. really easy, I felt, as an American to get a job, because, you know, it's something different, and I guess that companies like having in their stores or in their offices, so mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Wow, that's interesting how, how smoothly that was able to go because,
0: yeah. <laughs> you know, the, I guess oh, the man.
1: novelty of you being American really appealed <sighs> to people in some way.
0: Oh, it does in a lot of ways. It does. Hmm. It does for sure. It was um, culturally challenged as well as far as the educational sense hmm. because, you know, studying at Eastern, we had homework and we had a lot of things going on. And when I studied in, a, in the U.K., assignments wasn't due until the end of the semester, So imagine being young and partying like your typical college student, and all your homework is due (laughs) at the end of the semester. Mm -hmm. You know it's kind of hard to be consistent and stay up on those type of obligations when you have that much freedom. You know, Mm -hmm. and I think I prefer the consistency in uh, American colleges compared to, you know, studying abroad. It was somewhat like that as well when I studied in Australia. Also. Yeah, I can
1: mm-hmm. imagine. Okay. Yeah. do so you were there for a year. And then mm-hmm. didn't you go backpacking at some point as well?
0: Yeah, so after the UK, I was just like, man, you know, I said to myself, you know, mm-hmm. I, I was broke, and it's hard for people to believe this story. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, man, you only live once, and you have um, – I'm here already. And so I decided to buy a Euro pass and the pass allowed me to travel for a whole month. Mm-hmm. So I end up going to almost thirty, thirty-five countries. You know, I set up a, a plan. I start preparing for it, and you know, so I got on Couchsurfing. And for those who don't know about Couchsurfing, surf, couch Couchsurfing is a website where people let you stay with them for free, but in hopes it returns that the the favor is returned. So you know, you're able to you know stay on people's couches and you can write them friendly referrals. But it also gives you opportunity to live through the eyes of a local as well you know versus standing like a fancy hotel you actually can see how the locals live mm-hmm. uh, and it's, it's, it's more so through recommendation but also like I said in hopes that the favor would be returned so I started getting on couch two months before my trip while I was in Oxford, Oxford is like a tourist destination. You know, it's the famous Harry Potter spot. Mm-hmm. I think Emma, Emma was still going there at the time as well. So it was a lot of, you know, a lot of tourists coming to Oxford. So I, I would just show a lot of people around that lived in different countries, but they were also know they they knew that I was ultimately coming to to their country eventually so i started making connections and networking i ended up staying with almost 17 18 people while couch surfing around europe i started backpacking you know i started from london to paris it was a crazy adventure i had no money i think i I had like 500 dollars, and that didn't last too long Mm. and when I didn't have a place to sleep, I slept outside on the beaches. So I slept on the beach in Nice. Oh, wow. I slept in train stations and like Czech Republic. I mean like all over. Like it was it was so fun. It was so cool. And I was a little bit of a wild child for sure. I mean <laughs> and I think like if you read the Alchemist you'll understand why. But, you know, I was just like, man, I'm not gonna make no excuses and I'm just gonna you know, I'm just gonna do it. So it was an amazing experience. I, I came across some great stories. I mean, I remember I was at a college for Pitney in Paris. We were introducing ourselves and I was like, I'm from La Ditois, you know, that's Detroit in French. And this one, this one guy was like, oh, Michigan, bro. And he, <laughs> uh, you know, and he came out of nowhere. It turned out this guy was like a senior director at Microsoft. Oh. And, you know, he was like, I, and I always used to ask people like, man, what books are you reading? And he was like, AJ, you should check out this book called the four-hour work week by timothy ferris mm. and i remember i remember buying that book while i was in croatia i was just like and um when i was traveling around europe it started to plant a lot of seeds in my head mm. on how i wanted to live my life and i knew that i wanted to continue to live a life traveling abroad living abroad but i also wanted to live a life where i could have more freedom so it started planting a lot of seeds for me at a at a young age. I was only 21 at the time. Okay. So I uh, you know, I was in Croatia, then I hitchhiked to Greece with this one young lady I met at the time. She was from France and we just clicked. You know, within the first 30 minutes we just kicked it off and was like, "All right, let's let's hitch" cuz we had to hitchhike. We couldn't take the train. So like we caught a bus and then yeah, we were on the freeway waiting you know and we had to find a car with the signs to pick us up to take us to Tesla Nikki. and it was it was a it was, <laughs> it was a wild adventure mm. for sure and then you know we parted ways because I went to Athens went to Athena and then um, I just kept going I mean I went you know all over Budapest Austria Romania Serbia um, you know and then my last destination was Spain. Mm -hmm. And now, while I was in Spain, I had to, like, hurry up, and I don't know what happened. I think I had to book my flight or check in on my flight, or I was going to lose my ticket. And I told my good friend, I was like, because I was in Turkey at the time, I was like, man, you got to do this. (laughs) If you don't do this, I'm going to lose the ticket. And he didn't do it. so i had no plane ticket to get back to america remember i was completely broke as well
1: yeah
0: and uh, my good friend steve and he ended up buying me another ticket because i had no way home uh but i was stuck i was in spain for like almost two weeks i was stuck in spain pretty much because i had no way home but this is like i mean this goes back to the alchemist things work out you know i'm a true believer in like you know you speaking to the universe and you know i believe in science and i do believe things happen for a reason mm-hmm. spain planted a big seed inside of me because i was living in madrid remember i worked at zara so zara had like a big spanish population uh when i worked there so some of the people i worked with in oxford were living in spain so i had a few mm-hmm. free places to live and the great thing about europe you know like you know my hosts were always feeding me you know mm-hmm. i I had some scary couch surfing experiences, I'm not gonna lie. But I had some fun ones. And I mean, even the scary ones, they make cool stories, you know, at the end of the day. Like, one of my scary ones was a guy who was a Madonna stalker. And uh, his oh, whole okay. living room, yeah, yeah. So his whole his whole living room was full of like Madonna art and pictures and videos and everything. And he like took a year off of work to follow her on tour. Oh, he like goodness. he. This was in Rome, by the way. This mm-hmm. was in Rome. Forty five years old, and it was it was creepy, and you know it was a very creepy experience. Uh, but I mean, it's a cool story to tell people. And but Rome was just too much walking for me. I'm not gonna lie about. <laughs> (laughs) that was too much walking but yeah you know after the backpacking experience i think i came back here you know i had my aladdin pants on my african shirt you know my flip-flops and i had a little bitty bag the more i traveled the more i just kept giving stuff away i just realized it was just better to travel light Mm -hmm. i had a sleeping bag of course you know i had the uh, like backpack supplies and i just went with it i know some people like to plan but okay. I think it's better just to go with it, go with the flow. Wow. And, um, you know, so when I came back to America, it was it was tough. It was really tough. I was I was depressed, to be honest. And most oh, of us goodness. are. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's pretty common.
1: Yeah. Uh, depressed because of because you weren't traveling anymore, because like maybe how I... you felt while you were in Europe, you don't feel anymore because you're just back home to what you, where you were at before.
0: I think it's just culturally uh, – I was depressed because it culturally changed me in so many ways. Mm-hmm. You know, what's more – what's, like, one of the key things that I try to master now in my life is EI, emotional intelligence. And my emotional intelligence before moving to Europe was very low. Mm-hmm. And, you know, being that Europeans are very emotional, they're very open, you know, when it comes to the discussions and expressing yourselves, it just really – transformed me in so many ways that when I came back to America culturally I just didn't fit in anymore Mm -hmm. you know uh and I was struggling especially with the environment with my circle of friends I just have you know I thought I was going over there for educational purposes and to be honest education was the least thing that was effective for me I mean it was just like you know it was just something that was on the cards but it wasn't really it really didn't make a great impact or really change that much about my my life. It was more so the traveling and the culture that just woke me up to a Mm -hmm. whole different perspective. So when I got back to America, I was just, yeah, it was, you know, I kind of distanced myself from my crowd and put my head down to hurry up and graduate. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I decided to leave America again. Yeah yeah
1: well i i have to i feel like i have to commend you on just the amount yeah. of courage that it probably well i mean you said you're a bit of a wild child so maybe it did, you didn't have to summon much courage since you were willing to kind of just wing
0: it but to go oh backpacking- no it was it was okay, no it right. was tough <laughs> i mean just to give the audience a little bit of perspective but i grew up in an urban In high crime area, so it was tough culturally for me because I also grew up in such a masculine culture. And I remember the first time, you know, how most men greet each other is very masculine. We either shake hands, or if we give each other a hug, we usually put an arm in front of our chest, you Mm -hmm. know, to show our masculinity. But and I remember I was in Turkey in Istanbul. It was the first time a guy greeted me with a hug and a kiss on the cheek. I was Mm -hmm. like, whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Whoa! <laughs> and, you know, and it was, but this guy treated me like a brother. He let me live with him for free. He fed me all day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Mm. We we played a lot of games. He showed me Turkey, Istanbul. He showed me the beauty, beautiful parts about it. I mean, this guy just treated me like I was his blood brother. And we had just met, just off rip, as soon as I got off the plane, off the train, actually. I just never had no one treat me like this, and I still yeah. talk to him to this day, and we're planning to meet up soon. But I was just like, "Wow, why, why aren't we like this?" Mm. You know, as a country or as Americans, and you don't see that that often. This, this trusting, this trusting perspective. But yeah. I also had to, you know, be honest with myself. I told myself before I took this trip, I was just like, "AJ, I'm going to be open. I'm just going to be open. Yeah. I'm going to go with the flow. I'm not going to hold myself back." don't miss out on this opportunity and it's sad because i've seen a lot of americans going abroad and they just they just chill they just don't Mm -hmm. you know embrace or immerse themselves into the culture which is extremely important you know when you're going abroad
1: for sure yeah because when i think about backpacking i think about potential concerns there might be in terms of safety and then of course Mm -hmm. money potentially running out like you said but it looks like It sounds like things worked out for you and you were able to rely on a lot of, or people kind of well, no, I
0: I didn't rely on anyone. It just came naturally from Europe. Like, all my host guests, as soon as I got to their houses, they just, they fed me. It was just a very common culturally thing. They just fed me food. And of course, I did here and there reach out to friends and family. They like, send me money, a lot of Western Union over. But I think I think we have this mindset in America you know as I definitely had it you have to be a millionaire to travel mm-hmm. and I was just like you know after hitting 30 countries uh, I was just like I don't have to be a millionaire to travel anymore mm-hmm. especially I just, I just took a mega bus from Paris to Amsterdam for $8 you mm-hmm. know like mm-hmm. I don't need to be wealthy or rich to live this type of life and maybe I think it's because of the the expectations we have when it comes to our standards of living Mm. you know and I think that holds us back often it's like oh I I have to live in a most expensive hotel I have to live I have to have this car for a rental I have it's like you don't need none of that you know Mm -hmm. like you just you just need to go and enjoy the history the culture uh the people. Yeah. And and you'll and you'll be a, a surprised and amazed at how much you can accomplish once you get there.
1: Right. Definitely. And so you were you went back, you graduated and then you decided to go to Europe yeah. again.
0: Right? So my Yeah, so my mentor I have a mentor who's like a multi millionaire and he um he offered me like an apartment, a car, clothes, suits and some money. He was like, AJ, I just want you to stay In America and get a job, and I was like, "Uh, I think I'm gonna go to Spain and work for free." Mm (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. so I decided (laughs) to leave the U.S. and go to Spain and work for free. So I moved to Spain. I moved to Madrid, and I lived an hour outside of Madrid in Guadalajara. And my host mom, you know, like I said, Spanish people are like very open and honest. As soon as I got in the car, my host mom was like. Hey, A.G. She called me A.G. because she can't she pronounce it J. She's like, A.G., the neighbors are a little scared because there's no black people in the village. And you really need to go introduce yourself. I was like, Hell no! I'm not about to go around your whole neighborhood kissing everybody. I just, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I just got here. She's like, you have to, you have to make the neighbors comfortable. Like ten minutes, soon as I get off to the plane, you know, driving up to uh, Guadalajara and. You know, I'm, I'm like meeting all the neighbors, I'm kissing them on the cheek, you know, because you got to think, like, I'm an African American, but I, I'm like, I'm I'm a dark guy. It was very common for me to get mistaken as an African, because often a lot of African immigrants would migrate through the Spanish and, the, and in Italy as well, through their borders, so... Mm. People would look at me when I when I first got over there. They would see me in a suit and tie. And they'd be like, "What is this guy doing?" Unless they heard my accent, they'd realize, "Oh, he's American." But you know, sadly enough, it was a lot of, of course, discrimination with Africans um, in Spain. So I mean, I got to know my neighbors, and everyone knew me because you know, sometimes I have to pick up the kids from school, my host mom kids, and so it was. I think it was a good thing, you know, of course, for me to, to know everyone. But then I eventually moved out of my host mom house because it was just so much going on. I ended up going to uh, Toledo, city of sorts and mm. beautiful, it was gorgeous, you know, and I stayed on this campus, um, the school campus where I taught for the rest of my time. And then after that, I did a summer camp and I made some great friends, like all Americans just so happened. I got so lucky. It was just a big batch of Americans. we <laughs> were all at this summer camp. And, like, I can't handle the heat. And I didn't know, like, you know, we were just supposed to be teaching English, doing games and activities. I didn't know that we had to hike almost every day Mm -hmm. in, like, 100-degree weather. I, like, almost fainted so many times. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, the hiking experience was beautiful for sure. Yeah. But that was most of uh, Spain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Some of it, yeah. Okay.
1: Mm -hmm. And you said you went there to work for free. So were you volunteering in exchange for
0: housing or something? Yep. So I went through this program called CIEE. And they had a program where you can live with a host family as long, as, and then you could teach out of school for free, and the family would feed you like two to three meals a day, or two meals. But my host mom just loved cooking, so she'd feed me all day, <laughs> and she used to do things. I guess I was a bigger guy. I was a much bigger guy. I'm like five eleven, and am like two hundred, you know, two hundred pounds. So my host mom would do things like she'd pour a whole. Pot of pasta on my plate, you know, like oh, wow. she just and I was like, What are you trying to do to me? Mm-hmm. And but she loved to cook, and uh, the school she worked at is where I taught English at, so she taught okay. French, and yeah. I would go teach my classes, and then I would drive with her back home today. So, how I made money is I taught a lot of English lessons, and you can like if you're a hustler and you know how to make it, I'm a hustler, I'm a natural hustler, mm-hmm. so I started like charging like 75 an hour to a lot of like well-influenced people in like the richer parts of Madrid where all the soccer players live. I would go out there to teach like SAT prep for kids who were trying to go to universities in America. And I also would teach business English lessons for people who were trying to get jobs with American companies. So I was charging like $50 an hour. So if you're a hustler, you can make it work. And I was hustling. I built up my clientele really big and, you know, it gave me a lot of freedom to, you know, still go out and have fun and hang out with friends. So, yeah, and then I I was planning to stay in Madrid another year, and sadly enough, I got a acceptance letter to the University of Sydney Business School, and mm. I was really surprised. Well, that doesn't <laughs> sound sad to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, ah, I didn't think I was going to get in. I got to uh, go. Yeah, I didn't think I was going to get accepted.
1: Wow, okay. So, yeah. I mean, did you just apply to, I mean, okay, so... Mm-hmm. Did you just apply to see what would happen? Like, were you planning to get your master's anyway? Or did you... So, why did you decide to apply to Sydney, even yeah. if you didn't? weren't sure if you would make it? Yeah.
0: So one of my mentors, while I was at Eastern, it was my last year, you know, one of my mentors, he was like over the international study abroad department. He's like, AJ, what do you want to do next? And I was like, I want to go get my, my master's because I'm a first generation student. Mm-hmm. So for me, going to college was more personal than professional. Because I work for myself. So I wasn't really going, you know, to work for anybody. But I just wanted to break the cycle. Because I had went to Carnegie Mellon. I went to a couple other schools to check out the campuses. And then Matt was like, AJ, have you ever thought about Australia? And I was like, hell no. I was like, no way. Mm -hmm. I'm black. I can't swim. I don't like sharks. (laughs) I was like, hell no, Matt. Hell no. And Matt was like, (laughs) Matt was like, AJ hey, just give it a shot man just give it a chance man I was like alright well, right, I'm like okay so Matt planted the seed in my head and I just started looking into it and then I started doing a lot more research and I actually have a YouTube channel now talking about my experience in Australia but I started doing research and the more research I started doing the more I started getting the more excited about it right. And but it was kind of like I applied and I moved to Spain so I just didn't think nothing of it you know mm, what I mean okay. And then while I was in Spain, I had an interview, and next thing you know, the offer letter came in. I was like, whoa, is, is this real? Is this serious? <laughs> yeah, so I before going back to when I had to leave, I moved to America for a year to save up some money because Australia is very expensive, mm-hmm. and then I decided to move to Australia.
1: Wow, okay. So you had applied before you went to Spain, got accepted yeah. while you were living and working in Spain. And then, right. I guess, deferred enrollment for, like, a year so you could save up. And then and then mm-hmm. you moved. That's how it went.
0: Right. But okay. I went through a program that helps Americans travel abroad. I can't – I think it was, like uh, – I can't recall what it was. I'll have to find it, but uh mm-hmm. find you the name. But it was a program that helped America. I guess they got, like, a commission fee off of Referring America. So they helped me with the whole application process. I didn't oh, I gotcha. have to worry about that or anything like that. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, after the U.S., uh, for a year i always mm. had a strong sales background so i think i needed to make like i had to pay like 10 grand off really really fast so i went back to the u.s i got a sales job you know i was hitting my commissions every month mm. and i paid that 10 grand very fast and uh yeah almost didn't go to australia because i fell in love but i ended up going so you know mm. things were meant to be yeah <laughs>
1: And you you were in the business school, right? You went to University of Sydney business. Yeah, I went to
0: University of Sydney Business School. So this is new MBA program called the MIM. It's like for people who don't really have a business background but really want to become more entrepreneurial, more business focused. Mm -hmm. And the great thing about the program is a one year program, it's a fast track program. You get a masters. I remember like my people were Like, how are you getting a master's in one year? I'm like, there's a lot of new master's programs like that. It was Mm -hmm. very intense. I was in class eight hours a day, five days a week. The semesters were like four to five weeks. There were, that's, you know, each for each class. So it was Mm -hmm. very intense. Definitely a lot of studying. Mm -hmm. It had, it it came with a lot of challenges as well. I'm not going to lie about that as well.
1: Yeah. And in what Mm -hmm. ways was it challenging for you?
0: Well, it was a lot of well-off people in the program. We had a lot of big Asian population when studying abroad in Australia. A a huge Chinese population in my program that was very well-off, and most of them could not speak um, English very well. So, I would be in situations where I'd be in group projects. I I remember one time, it was me and five, and the rest were Chinese students, and we were you know, doing our references and stuff like that. And they were sending me articles in Mandarin. I'm like, y'all, y'all can't be serious, right? Mm. And, <laughs> they were, yeah, yeah. you know, and they were trying to, you know, it was hard. And they were struggling to write papers. And I, I, sadly enough, I had to take one for the team and write the whole essay and report by myself. Mm. And uh, it was hard. It definitely was challenging for sure. Mm.
1: Well, I'm sorry about that. That's not very fair to you. <laughs> you had no, to pick but up I think, the
0: slack. Well I think <laughs> that is how I looked at it. Yeah. But also from this from this interview, I want people to look at it, look at the pros of it. I don't right, want them right, to look right. at the cons. I think that <laughs> yeah. I I looked at it that way like, damn, it's sad and I'm doing all this work. But now that I reflect back on it mm-hmm. in a way I have my own career coaching company, international company that's geared towards Chinese students so all of those guys that were in my projects, they're like, yo AJ, what do you need help with? You know. And I remember when I started my Chinese business, I needed to set up a WeChat account so in order to do that you gotta have a connection in China, it's like a WeChat business account and WeChat is like WhatsApp for a lot of people if they don't know what it is, it's just Mm -hmm. like WhatsApp but most Chinese people use WeChat, so I was just like reflected back on that group of five you just never know when you're gonna need someone and that's why like networking is so important and sometimes you just gotta take one from the team because you never know how someone can really help you out in the long run and we just Mm -hmm. need to reflect on that Mm -hmm. so these guys were you know very supportive and helping me get my wechat account they were referring a lot of business over to me as well you know and of course it makes great friendships as well when i go to china one day yeah
1: Yeah. okay yeah so it wasn't so much like People just taking advantage of you, like, it w- It became more, like, of a mutual thing where you had connections or you made friends from your fellow students. Um,
0: even if, if you see it that way, yeah. yes.
1: Okay, gotcha.
0: People uh, got to see it that way, though, because they will be in situations where you go abroad and you will be doing most of the work. But look at the bigger picture, you know, mm-hmm. like, long term-wise, we're all in we're all in graduate school, and sometimes we can be, you know, going back to the English factor, you know, I think sometimes as Americans, we can be very arrogant to right. assume or, you know, in our assumptions of why people English are not that good, and it's like, well, why isn't your mannering good enough as an mm-hmm. American? Why isn't your Spanish good enough, you know, like, mm-hmm. it's it's arrogant for us to assume that everyone needs to know or speak our language. They don't have to, you know, and It's not that I was expecting everyone, you know, these these well-off kids to speak English, but it was a struggle for me in my program that I adapted to, of course. But, you know, it can be hard studying with people who don't take the program as serious as well Mm -hmm. because they're so wealthy, they're just here. A lot of kids were going to school just to live in the country, if that makes sense. And that's Mm -hmm. very common as well. Especially across the world, it's very common for people to just get student visas so they can can continue to live in that country. And I think that was mostly the situation, in my case, uh, during my program. And I say that because everyone in my program, sadly enough, um, went back home and I was the only one to get sponsored.
1: Oh, to stay after you finished your Yeah, so so
0: after my program, you know, and this is why networking is so important. Yeah. There was a few people in our program that was very intelligent and they were all about grades. And this is why I'm not a big fan of grades. I don't really I mean, I graduated with a three point five, but this is why I don't believe in grades in the school system. I had a few people in the program they were just like oh I'm the I'm the highest rank or I have the highest GPA I'm the smartest person in the program of course I'm going to get sponsored of course I'm going to get a job everyone's going to want me and I'm like I don't think life works that way, but uh, we can see by the end of the year. So I was like well known in the program as the networker. Like they were like, AJ knows everybody. Everybody loves AJ. Everybody, you know, everybody, he knows everyone. So come t- towards the end of the year, we finish in our program. Everyone's applying to the same company, the big four. They're applying to like Deloitte, EY, Goldman Sachs, all the, you know, B- BCG. Everyone's applying to. Uh, these consulting companies and I was like I want to stay in the country I want to get sponsored but I don't want to go that route let me go to the smaller companies and let me go sell myself as well and I think you know having both the street smarts and the and the education behind me gave me an upper hand over a lot of my my fellow colleagues but out of a hundred students that was in the program I was the only one to actually get offered a job and stay in the country after everyone was forced to go back home, sadly mm. enough. And it just went, it just goes to show how more important networking was than having a strong GPA. Now, I think for, for me, the reason I did keep the GPA up was like, okay, if I decide to go back to the U.S., because I know that's important in America. It's not important to me. It's important to American cor- corporations, and people just have to realize and understand that, like, mm-hmm. it's not as long as you stay up above the three point But I will say, having that master's, having that GPA, when I like when I did come back to the US, I worked for a little and then decided to work for myself. But mm-hmm. I did, I can't say when I going back to the US, it did give me on a, you know help me continue to stay on a higher pay scale, hmm. you know, as well.
1: Yeah. So. You have mentioned that, you know, you're an entrepreneur uh, mm-hmm. and all that. I'm wondering where that where that sense of entrepreneurship came from for you. Like, have you always had that type of spirit to want to, you know, do things yeah. on your own or hustle, like you said? Where do you think that came from for you?
0: My family. My aunt owns a a business in downtown Detroit. My uncle has his own trucking company. Uh, my grandmother had her own hair salon. I was raised that way it was instilled in me mm. but i but I think while I start traveling the world I start realizing that I wanted to you know I'm still young i don't I'm not in a relationship I don't have a family but I realized I wanted a family one day and i and I said to myself, you know my mom had to work a lot and I just you know, she was a single parent but I just said. My life goals is to become a great father. My life goals is to become a great husband. And in order for me to do that, I feel like I need to have control over my life, mm. over my freedom, over my time going forth. If I want to be the best dad, I need to have. I need to be there for my kids. And in order for me to do that is to be in control of my schedule, in control of my time. I didn't want to be the parent to tell my kids, I'm going to miss this game or I'm going to miss that game. And it's And it's very cliche. We see it in the movies. But sadly enough, it's still a very common thing. Right. You know, it's still a very, hey, I'm working late. Hey, I'm not going to be there. I just didn't want my job to take me. I didn't want it to be an excuse for me not to man up and handle my responsibilities mm-hmm. uh, as a father and as a husband one day. So that was just very important to me. I also was just like, you know, While I was in Australia, it just hit me hard. I was like, I need to start now because I was trying to retire in my 40s. You know, that Mm -hmm. was the goal for me. But even by the time I hit 40, I felt like I'll be successful enough and well off enough to have a lot more freedom for my family and whatever they may need as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Yeah. that makes sense. And um. Obviously, you studied business in Australia. Did you study business at Eastern
0: as well? I studied studied communications at Eastern, and I studied arts management. Originally, I wanted to get into the music industry. I really wanted to become an A&R. And A and R's are the people who go out and they discover artists, they find artists. But then YouTube came out, and then, and then the you know, so A and R's jobs really started dying down because record labels are finding artists online. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was always always been passionate about music. I always been passionate about the entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm slowly trying to get back into it. I just started a YouTube channel, but I was just like I was still struggling to find ways ways to work for myself it was hard I tried to start an e-commerce store that went bad (laughs) you know I was just always trying to find something I would be good at and then Mm -hmm. eventually I came across you know my IT company and it and it it worked but I kept trying I kept working I think a lot of people give up as soon as the first one or two things don't work but I like failed almost eight ten times before I actually found something I was going to be good at and I think that's the beauty of traveling because you never know what sea is going to be planted or what you're going to learn that's going to help you give that freedom. If I never would have went to Australia, I never would be at a stage in the station I am now to work for myself. I know that for sure. If mm-hmm. I never would have went to Australia, I never would have been able to become a full time entrepreneur because my whole life as well, I've, I've struggled to keep a job, and I just feel like if you're struggling to keep a job you're not meant to work for anyone. I don't I don't see quitting as a bad thing. I mm-hmm. see it as a you're going to actually do what you love and you're chasing your dream. It's not quitting if it's not meant for you. You can't quit on something you're not passionate about. Hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I just don't yeah. know, like <laughs> it's not quitting. It's just not for you. That's that's all it is, you mm-hmm. know, at the end of the day. And I think I just had that that reality that you know, working for someone, a 9 to 5, micromanaging just wasn't for me and i had to you know i knew i had to hurry up and make something work because i was just i'm like i said i'm 30 now and i was still struggling to stay in someone's office or sit at a desk it was just still hard for me hmm.
1: well you know it a lot of people have that realization that certain things are not for them so i guess it's, it's good that you are are finding what does work for you you know
0: yeah um, be I, open what did you say I was saying, I was just saying, like definitely, just be open, have right. an open mind. You just never know.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I do have some some more questions yeah. about Australia, if you don't yeah. mind. Yeah. Uh, so you your program was one year, and then you yeah. got a I guess a work visa to stay after you right. finish your program. So how long were you in Australia in total?
0: I was there for almost four and a half years. I left in 2016, and I came back in uh 2019 June and the only reason I came back was because I decided to work for myself My, I could okay. I could have stayed if I would have knew about the whole COVID thing I would be in Australia right now I would have never came back to like My. not to not here like not through this like not through this I haven't it's, I haven't experienced racism in like almost five years i haven't seen guns i heard guns heard about guns because you know australia had a gun buyback policy 20 years ago Mm -hmm. my life was completely different i was Mm -hmm. i was on six figures in australia i was i was making really good money life was really good (laughs) and i came back to this i was like man i would have sucked it up and just worked for my company for a few more months until this died down because this was just this was just, yeah, really crazy. Yeah. Right.
1: Well, I'm sure a lot of people's plans would have oh, been different man. for this year if they knew what was uh, going to
0: happen. Oh, yeah. Well, I was I was moving to the Czech Republic last month, and I ended up, yeah, I was supposed to be moving to the Czech Republic wow. last month, and now, like I said, I'm stuck here in the U.S. for a while, so yeah. I'm most likely going to be leaving in
1: 2022. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Man, well, I'm sorry you got, your plans got to leave, oh, but, you know.
0: Everybody, everybody. Yeah.
1: Okay, so you were living in Sydney from, or in Australia from 2016 to 2019. Was that, were you living in Sydney that whole time?
0: Yeah, I was living in Sydney. I lived in the area. So Sydney has this location called, uh, the inner west is like where most of the younger people are at. It's like where all the the colleges are, a a few colleges are in that area, but that's like the more cooler, hipster wet area, is more younger vibe. Mm-hmm. So I lived in an area called, in on Newtown and Inmore Road, and that's like where University of Sydney is up the street, but all the bars and the coffee shops and the clubs are right there. Mm-hmm. And the great thing about that area is that, you know, in Australia, in Sydney they have this thing called the lockout laws. So about five, six years ago, this guy was at a club, these two guys were drunk, and this one guy knocked him out and he died, and then they created this thing called the lockout laws, where people could no longer get into the clubs after like one o'clock. So it was a it was a curfew pretty much in Australia in Sydney. Mm-hmm. So I decided to live in Newtown and more because the local laws didn't exist there. They didn't have no curfew, <laughs> so you can say you know you can go party to four o'clock in the morning still, and you know you can have you can have a good time. So I was just like I just didn't want to be. I'm you know you're grown, you're a tourist, and you're you're enjoying yourself. And, you know, you're out on a date. You don't want to, like, be like, oh, we got to go home now. It's it was only 1 o'clock. And 1 mm-hmm. o'clock is, you know, a very early time, I think, where you can still go out and, you know, have some mm-hmm. fun. So, yeah.
1: Right. Okay. Wow. So, you found a way to, to circumvent the curfew. So yeah. You I went,
0: enjoy your time. I went there in Sydney. And then I almost, like, I was thinking about moving to Melbourne. But I ended up just staying. So, yeah. Because uh, Melbourne doesn't have the laws. <laughs> Yeah.
1: Did you get a chance to go to, to Melbourne or uh, other yeah. cities in Australia?
0: I, I only went to Melbourne. Okay. I love Melbourne. Melbourne is more like Chicago, and Sydney is more like New York. Melbourne is more relationship-focused, like okay. relationships, and Sydney is very transactional. It's very fast. More, it's just more. It's more everything. It's bigger, mm-hmm. of course. But Melbourne is. Melbourne was good. It was chill. It was great food. I love Melbourne. I just loved it. It was a different because I lived in Sydney for so long. I was just like, I just felt like I did everything. I was just like, man, I'm ready for something new. Mm-hmm. I almost moved to Melbourne. I almost did, you know, Um almost did. But I do think that things happen. Like I said, if I would have never made that move that I moved made now, I, I probably definitely would have regretted it in that in a sense because. I've learned so much and like I said I am I know now I, will, I won't ever be going back to work for anyone again mm. because of that decision I made to leave but it was a tough one I'm not going to lie I was very depressed when I came back to the oh, US it yeah. was very yeah. and you, it's pretty common to go through that I'm not I mean people listening to this podcast you're going to go through that phase because
1: yeah, like reverse culture shock or something oh
0: man yeah your, <laughs> your life has completely changed and you got to think not to sound arrogant but I was like a Morris Chestnut or Tay Diggs over there. I was extremely, <laughs> you know, attractive because of that. You know, it's no sorry black. To me. <laughs> uh, it's no, it's no black Americans in Australia. So like, you're you're attracting this goes up times 10 Mm -hmm. your accent is your everything about you becomes very attractive you know it's a different life i felt like i was in some type of hollywood movie over there you know Mm -hmm. i was making good money i was 20 uh by the time i was 27 i was already making a hundred thousand dollars and i was young and black Mm
1: -hmm. and i think
0: it would take me much longer in america to make and i'm not saying this to talk about the boost money or anything i'm just saying perspective wise like how long it takes us sometimes as americans and african americans mm-hmm. to make the money that we know we deserve to be on in the us i was only making my last job was paying me 35,000 40,000 a year jeez and jeez. i would, i jumped to 100k plus you know commission that was just the base Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a very different um, different life for me.
1: Wow. Okay. Yeah. So it really sounds sounds like you made the most out of your time there, both in terms oh, of yeah. getting your degree and, and afterward. If I remember correctly from one of your videos I saw, you you didn't go home at all during that time, right? Because it was just right. too expensive and too long of a flight. How did you go yeah. about finding or creating a sort of community for yourself, um while you were living in australia
0: yeah i mean i didn't go home because yes it was very expensive but i'm afraid of flying that's the most reason oh, I didn't. Right. Um, yes. i'm afraid of flying <laughs> i hate flying 20 hours there 20 hours back it's just not something you know when i back back to europe that was all through a train mm-hmm. so so um there was i mean the black community is just very strong i remember the first as soon as I got there, I got introduced to this guy named Larry, and Larry knew everybody. Larry was like this <laughs> black, Amer- you know, black British guy who would just walk up to black people on the street and just say, hey, brother, where you from? Oh, give me your number. Give me your email. And he was mm-hmm. just that type of guy. Larry mm-hmm. was just, just you know, we need to we need to know each other because we're black. That's just how he felt. And yeah. it's just, <laughs> just like, you know, I love Larry. I started meeting up with Larry. Larry started introducing me to a lot of brothers. We started networking. It was, you know, I came across so many well-educated, high-up level brothers. And it was just nothing but love. It was just easy to create a community, to create a circle. Um, especially like American brothers as well young brothers like when I would go out to the clubs or the bars and I'll see brothers it, you know we just constantly hug each other you know and be like where you from brother where you you know how you doing also you know the head nod is universal I think mm-hmm. I, I talked about this in my video but every time I would see uh Brother on the street, I'll be hanging with my international friends. they would be like, oh, man, that's so cool. I just wish I could do that. I was like, oh, man, don't you ever do that to no brother. <laughs> like, don't you ever, do you ever dodge your head to another brother, man? Don't you are <laughs> like, I just wish I could do that. Because it's, it's it is a universal thing across the whole world. It is, you know, when I was, in, even when I was in the UK, it was very common as well. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so yeah, but I just you know I remember the first time, um, and I kind of skipped over this over the, the Oxford story, but I remember the first time I met someone from England, uh, my friend Ty, he came over from Oxford Brooks, and you know that excitement you get when you're about to travel to a country <laughs> and you're like you want to meet someone from that country, and Ty, it was like Christmas time. I was up around up on campus. Yeah, I didn't go home that much for holidays, and I had like some extra beds in my room. So Ty came over around Christmas time, and he was like, uh, "Yo, AJ, mate, I don't that, they don't have a place for me to stay. Do you? Do you have a place?" I was like, "I was like, yeah, come, 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 stay with me. Come stay with me, cause I was so excited to meet him." And I don't know it felt like a movie, but it was like some g q type stuff. He got out of the car. it was wintertime, and he had this peak coat on mm. with these and all his clothes were just super tight. they were just so tight, mm. and you know and he had this British accent he was just so like I was just so happy and excited to meet him and I just was fascinated by him. I was just fascinated. I was just like, man, like you're really you're really from you're really from the UK, I can't believe it, I can't believe it, you know, Mm -hmm. and asked him a million questions, and while he stayed on campus, just how, you know, my uh, attractiveness was uh, in Australia, his attractiveness was the same in the US, he was, Mm -hmm. I mean, women were very attracted to him in that accent, and I remember I I was joking one time, we have this expression in America where we say things like, you're thirsty, and thirsty can mean like, you know, for anybody listening, like, someone's always trying to come on to you or they're always calling or reaching out to you and I was like Ty man I guess it was a woman that kept calling Ty I was like I think that girl is thirsty and Ty was like she doesn't have any water where she come from (laughs) <laughs> and I laughed so hard. I laughed so hard. And Tom was night—he nice. was a Nigerian guy, but I laughed so hard when, she, when he said that. Hmm. And I, my, and our relationship got really strong. The semester he was abroad, and I, and I guess I'm just telling this. So people, you know, if anyone's in the same situation, we became very close. So by the time he was getting ready to go home, I was like, I'm coming to Oxford. He was like, no, you not. Stop lying. And I showed him my acceptance letter to Oxford University. Mm-hmm. He was like, no way. No way. And when I got over there, you know, we were hanging out every day. It was a great time. We loved it so much.
1: Yeah. So you made a, a British friend while you were at Eastern. And that was like a, another thing that kind of... Pushed you, or not pushed you, but like inspired you to want to go to where yeah. he was
0: from. Okay, yeah. yeah, I met him and I met a French friend. Well, our friend uh, Cyril, who's from Toulouse, and we were like, you know, we were like the three Stooges together. We just hung out Aww. every day and <laughs> we loved each other company. And when I when I went abroad, yeah, me and Ty was living in the UK and we went over, we flew over to France to hang out with Surreal mm-hmm. and we just had a good time. It was a really good time, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think it's actually quite remarkable as someone who, uh, like you said, you, who's afraid of flying, still managed to go to all these places. Um, yeah. yeah, I forgot you mentioned that you're afraid of flying because that's not usually when you think of people who are like avid travelers hopping on a plane is like no big deal. But you know, some people are out
0: here and, or, oh, you know, man. have this fear of flying. <laughs> well, yeah, a lot of people do. Yeah. A lot of people do, for sure. Yeah. Yes, But I think it's... um, But I was more afraid of missing out, you know, that FOMO. Yeah. I almost, you know, missed out on some of these opportunities. And I think a lot of my... Some of my mentors... I had a lot of naysayers. I had a lot of my mentors. I had family members telling me not to go. They don't understand why. And you're going to get a lot of naysayers, you know, telling you why you shouldn't do this or why you shouldn't go. Mm-hmm. And... At the end of the day, you only you only get one life. You know that's just how I feel. You just if you have an opportunity, if you're thinking about it, just Mm -hmm. do it, and um, worry about the regrets later on. It's always it's gonna always gonna work out. It always does.
1: Yeah. Um, You mentioned uh, planning to move to uh, the Czech Republic, and that's kind of gotten delayed a bit. First of all, I'm wondering why the Czech Republic, like. Why you wanted to move out there specifically? Uh, but then also, is there anywhere else that you have in mind that you'd like to yeah. visit or live in the future?
0: Right. So now the plans have changed. Uh, originally, I was going to move to the Czech Republic because when I came back to the U.S., like I said, I was just like, man, it's this just this just not for me. I, I, I stayed with my family, but I was like, all right, it's time for me to go back. I love Europe. Europe is uh, what I do. Didn't like about Australia is a bubble, so it's really nowhere to go. Like for vacation in Australia, everyone goes to Bali, it's kind of like our us going to like Mexico or Jamaica over here in the US. You just go to Bali and that's it, that's the highlight, but it's not really like Europe. And you know, it was just like, okay, I'm starting to become more financially stable. All I need is a laptop and a cell phone with my job, so I'm making you know good money now or decent money. And I was just like. Why not go live abroad? And I was looking at the, the type of rent, the money I was paying for rent, and Czech Republic is really cheap to live in. Mm-hmm. So I just thought about finding a location for a home base. But most likely, I was going to continue to travel around Europe. But I needed to find a, a location to set up myself. I didn't want to just go over there, for, you know, like from America, and then have to return. I rather really just return back to the country that I'm comfortable with living in. So I was looking at moving to Bruno, and I started joining a lot of Facebook groups. Um, but now I'm looking at moving to Germany in 2022, if all works out, Okay. I love, I love Berlin. I love Germany when I was there and it's a lot of freelancer visas. So I, when I went abroad, like five, seven years ago, I was going on like English teaching visas, but now since I work for myself, I've been looking more towards a lot of freelancer visas that's going to continue to let me just live in a country and work on my own business. That's how I'm looking at it now. But, I mean, it was just a way, like I said, it was cheaper. Uh, It works out well with the U.S. time difference. If you want to continue to, uh, let's say, you have an American business or you want to continue to work for an American company but live abroad, I mean, Europe works out perfectly. Because, you know, if I was going to live in Czech, I was like, well, my days can start at 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, because that's like 8 a.m., 7 a.m. over here. And, you know, depending on where I'm working, what states I'm working on, it just all balances out at the end of the day. You know, Australia was kind of hard with the time zone difference. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's, I mean, when I first came back from um, the U.S., my first client was an Australian client. And I remember I didn't even have an office set up or anything. All I had was a laptop. So I was working inside of an IHOPs that was like 24 hours. I was wow. working in there like at 2 a.m. to like 7 a.m. every night until i made my first sale for my company eating pancakes and just recruiting mm-hmm. you know people <laughs> in australia mm-hmm. and yeah that was that was my life for the for three months straight until i started building my american clients yeah yeah
1: so europe is like where you'd like to move to and and you have your sights set on germany moving to germany hopefully
0: germany um, uh, oh yeah and i don't know if i answer your question but places i like to visit is on, on my list is denmark norway poland um, China and Japan's on my list, but I'm probably gonna hold off for a couple years. Central America's on the list for sure as well. You know, I got Colombia on my list, Brazil. A lot of places are on my list. I just saw this new thing about Bar- Barbados, pan people to come live there. Like oh, I saw, I, I came. That. A, yeah, I came across that. So. Yeah, I mean, it's a few places, but I think I prefer Europe. My favorite country is France. I love I love Paris. My favorite city is Paris. <laughs> it's a cliche. I'm a hopeless romantic. I'm a poet. I just love, you know, <laughs> it's a lot of love that comes out of that city. I love the French language. It's just a beautiful language. Yeah, it's pretty cool.
1: Okay. Any desire to go back to Australia, or has it kind of like been there, done that
0: for you? <laughs> I, I thought about it. I have. Look, I'm not going to lie. I definitely have thought about it, and that's why I have continue to network and keep my relationships good i do still have job offers on the table in australia so i do i, I definitely can go back to australia um i also never use like, australia has to work in holiday visa if people are not familiar with it i never use my work holiday visa hmm. you have until you're like until you're 31 to use it so i guess technically if i wanted to use it next year or before i turn 31 next april i could go back on that visa but it's a lot of other visas that i qualify for and i could get sponsored again yeah i definitely thought about it because you got to think you know like like i was really happy there but you know long term it just doesn't make sense because it's so expensive like the minimum you're going to pay for a house is a million dollars and it's just like I'm, i'm here i'm here in michigan where you're able to buy uh, a three-bedroom house for like forty k or twenty k. I mean, like it just doesn't add up when you're buying a shoebox in Australia, <laughs> you know, for for a million dollars. It just doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't add up long term. And I guess for me, you know, like I guess I have strongly, 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 strongly have been thinking about retiring in Portugal, mm-hmm. and you know, and I'm thinking about retiring there. That's why I'm looking at retiring so young because life is going to be so cheap for me as well living abroad i just don't believe that i just don't believe in working until i'm 70 or 65 Mm because most people don't live that long as well i just felt like living a stress-free life in your 40s i mean come on it's just a it's just not a bad way to live Mm -hmm. at the end of the day
1: yeah do um because it seems like you're you're close to your family. I'm wondering how they feel yeah. about you being away so long and having plans to continue being away. You know, are they supportive? Or do they feel like, I don't know, maybe sad because they feel like they'll really miss you? Or I don't know. How does they your family have a,
0: feel? They have a... I mean, I talk to them. All my family, they got WhatsApp and Skype. And mm-hmm. so they they call me every day. It's not like, you know, we definitely talk every day. My grandma, my mom. Um, I think they realized that... When I say I'm going to do something, like, you know, they used to didn't believe me. Like, you know, when I used to say things like I'm more in London or stuff like that. But now when I say things like I'm moving to Germany, they're like, oh, he's serious. <laughs> he's not lying. <laughs> and I think uh, through my videos and pictures, they have seen the life that I live. And, I mean, it's just, it's been a, such a rich rich in a sense culture wise, the things that I've been exposed to, just a life that they could have never imagined or seen themselves live. You know, I've told my mom, you know, when she gets older, I'm i you know, if I, wherever I'm living I'll bring you abroad, I'll bring you to Germany if you if you want to go. My mom doesn't really want to come abroad. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I and I do understand we've have this this fear or this obligation we feel we owe our parents because they did so much for us. But I think that, like I said, you know, you can still love your family, be supportive for your family, and live your life at the same time. Mm-hmm. You just have to, you know, find a balance. Right, right.
1: And you, you touched on it previously, talking about, you know, how you were able to to get by or, or afford doing the things that you've done. But um, I'm just wondering if you have advice for anyone in terms of... People who want to study abroad or travel like you have, any tips for how to go about affording those yeah. things?
0: Yeah. So I financial aid, I definitely took out... I use financial aid in, in both Oxford and both Australia. A lot of people don't know that you can use financial aid abroad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if I can go back... So I, I want to say this. For anyone that's thinking about using financial aid, use it. You know, I say that because I don't ever want... I don't want you to miss out on life because mm-hmm. you're afraid of debt. Everyone has debt. But, I mean, it took Barack Obama to, he didn't pay off his student loans to his second term. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, But it's just like, I never wanted to be that. And I saw so many people, sadly enough, and I saw what their life turned out to be as well. Mm-hmm. But if you have a chance or opportunity and you know, like, maybe you're not financially able to afford it. And you're afraid to take out, you know, I just, I just don't think you should let that be a big worry because you may, you may not ever get this opportunity again and you don't know what that opportunity could turn into or what can happen for you long-term. It just depends on what you're studying. Now, if I could have, all the things that I know now, if I could start over again, I would have went to study abroad undergrad because tuition is free in Europe, you know, like, I would have went to go get my bachelor's in Germany. If oh, I so like the again.
1: whole, I got, okay. Like, you would have yeah. done your whole degree in Europe.
0: I would have done okay, everything. Gotcha. I would have done, I, I think I would have still went abroad to Australia to get my master's. Mm-hmm. But I would have started off my undergrad. You know, look, it's a lot of loans. You got the Fulbright Scholarship out there. You got, you know, the Bill Gates Scholarship out there. It's a lot of, and you got financial aid out there as well. You have financial aid. It's a lot of ways you can do it. People have been reaching out through me to me lately on my YouTube channel, and there's one guy who's looking at going to Australia. I was like, man, if you really want to prepare yourself, or you really want to say you want to do something, one of the key things I used to do, I used to buy a one-way ticket the year before I'm supposed to go abroad, mm-hmm. and that would like really start preparing my mind to get ready to leave. I'll start selling everything. I'll start because that's all I'm thinking about now. I got a ticket. I'm flying out on this day. You know, you put yourself in a situation where you have no choice, mm-hmm. and you and you go abroad. You know what I mean?
1: Wow. well, you've already, you've already. Uh, I feel like you've already offered a bunch of your own wisdom that you've gained from from traveling and experiences that you've had. Um, just wondering if there's any other tips or advice on off the top of your head you wanted to <sighs> share in regard to living, yeah. working, studying abroad, like like you did.
0: I, I mean, anybody, I don't, you know do it. Mm-hmm. If it's on your mind, if you're like, listen to this podcast right now, you should do it and you should start taking steps to do it. And the way you start taking those steps is to start planting those seeds and putting yourself into those circles. You know, how do you do that? You can go join a Facebook group in that country. So, every time before going to Czech Republic, I joined the, the, the Americans in Czech Republic. There's always uh, Americans, you know, depending on who's listening to this, or British, or either or, But there's like Americans in Czech Republic, there's Americans in Paris, there's Americans in Germany, Americans in France. Put yourself in those group chats. Start engaging. Start asking questions. Mm -hmm. Start watching a lot of YouTube videos. Start like doing a lot of research on the university or the working culture over there. You know, everything you're curious about, looking up, do it every day. And the more you're doing that, you're programming your mind to be comfortable with the fact or understand the fact that, hey... I'm getting ready to move abroad and I'm about to do this. And like, I feel like when you graduate from college, I feel like the first thing you should do is go abroad. Mm-hmm. I don't think you should go working when you graduate from college because most people don't even know who they are still. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't know what they want. A lot of people, the first job you have after college, 90% of the time, you don't even end up standing that job. Mm-hmm. I just felt like, <laughs> you know, I feel like if you take a year off, to go learn more about yourself, learn how to love yourself, learn how to, you know, find out what makes you happy. Cause at the end of the day, it's important to understand that we need to be comfortable with making ourselves happy first before we can truly like immerse ourselves or, or dedicate ourselves to a career or a lifestyle at the mm. end of the day. And I think once you find that you're you wake up happy and you're passionate about, you know, what you're doing with your life. So I mean anyone that's listening to this or who's thinking about going abroad I think we, we just overthink it. It's not that hard. Yeah, if you don't have any money or savings, trust me it's gonna work out. You can get a job when you get there, sell everything, you know, sell everything and start over fresh. Mm-hmm. It all works out at the end of the day. You know, mm-hmm. it just it just always does. Okay. And I think yeah, yeah, that's about it, yeah.
1: All right. Well no, that that was really um insightful. So I appreciate you 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 saying that. I and I do appreciate this conversation. I feel like it's been really yeah. um Informative, hearing about you know what you've done and how you've done it, and and what you've hopefully got looking forward to in the future. Thank um, you. So, yeah, of course, of course. So oh, they, my last question I have for you mm-hmm, is where yeah. can people reach you or keep up with you online if you'd like them to do
0: so? Yeah, if they want to, I'm very easy to access on Facebook or LinkedIn. I'm always on LinkedIn often, uh, Angelon Wallace, or my YouTube channel, Angelon Wallace. I'm very easy to get in touch with if they need any advice or need to reach out. Mm-hmm. Uh, feel free, yeah. Okay. Or Instagram as well, Angelon Wallace as well. So yeah.
1: Right. Okay. Yeah. And and it's all the same. It's very easy to find. Um, yep.
0: yeah. Okay, perfect. And very very on LinkedIn, Facebook, um, and YouTube and Instagram. Sis Yep, A I J A L O N Wallace W A L C A C E. Yep.
1: Perfect. Perfect. Okay. Well, um, thank you so much for thank your time you. today. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as Yeah, it was really I great. Did.
0: Yeah, um, it was really great. Yeah. but
1: I hope you have a great Sunday and a great you too. rest of your thank,
0: week thank you and for this uh, opportunity I appreciate it thank you so much
1: yeah you're very welcome and thank you again for, for being my guest I really do appreciate it so um, yeah I'll you be too. in touch and, and you take right. care okay Angela?
0: okay I'll talk to you soon thank okay. you <laughs> bye
1: alright y'all there it is Thanks to Angelon for being such a wonderful guest, and I hope you like how this all turned out. For the rest of you listening, don't forget to follow this podcast at Young Gifted and Abroad on Instagram and Facebook, and at YG Abroad on Twitter. And don't forget to check out guest profiles and resource lists on younggiftedandabroad.com. Also, if you enjoy what you've been hearing so far, then please continue listening to this podcast wherever podcasts are. And you are welcome to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher while you're at it. And as always, if you have questions or comments to share, or if you yourself would like to be a guest on the show, then feel free to email me at younggiftedandabroad at gmail.com. So for the next episode, in two weeks, the guest is going to be... Someone who is a stay at home mom and also does really cool things on the side. And this person not only studied in Japan, but she also taught in Japan and later started a family there. So you can look forward to hearing all about that in two weeks. But until then, thank you so much for listening and talk to you next time.